0: In here, y'all going to have to pick it up. Everybody else is about full, but y'all are lack, slacking today or something. Uh, <laughs> hey, if this is your first time here, you're here now. They think you're one of us, so just enjoy it. <laughs> they saw you pull up the hill. <laughs> you might as well just settle in, amen? Hey, I want to jump into a few things. There are some some things that... I know I said I was going to continue on uh, the Holy Spirit this week, but he's in charge. <laughs> and I prayed, Zach, from Sunday till about Tuesday evening, Tuesday afternoon. I'm like, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing. So what do you do? Well, I'm lucky. I've got, you know, this church has elders, right? I've got spiritual elders who, one, is uh, still recovering, and we're going to pray for Pastor Dave today. Uh, so I, I got up that morning, and I talked to, I talked to uh, uh, Pastor D, and I said, hey, what, what's God telling you for our church? And uh, she shared some things that she felt like some areas we need to go, and I said, yeah, that's good, but I don't think that's it yet either. And so I, 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 I called up Pastor Ted. I said, hey, what's God telling you, you know? Uh, and uh, he shared some things. I said, yeah, but that's not yet either. Uh, they were ahead of me, is what they were, um, because the Lord began to immediately, uh, somebody said something, and um, it just jumped up in my spirit, uh, and, and some questions started coming to my mind, that I have heard believers say. Now I'm not talking about unchurched people. I'm talking about churched people. Um, and, and, and so I begin to think about the Bible. I begin to think about the Word of God and how important it is to us. And then some questions that people ask all the time jumped up like this one. It scares me sometimes so I don't read it much. Now, you, we say this, but I've had people in this building, Galen, you know, uh, before say, well, you know, some of that stuff is, I don't get it. So. And, and, and so then we'll say, well, I don't really think that it's important to read the Bible. Now, see, we, we giggle and we laugh, but how often are we picking it up and reading it? You know? Uh, well, it's hard to understand. Nobody's ever said that ever, right? None of you. No one in this room has ever said that one. I see y'all looking at me like I, like I went in your house and, and, and you told me this stuff. I ain't telling nobody. <laughs> well, I think the Bible's just a book written by a bunch of men and then I hear this one I trust Jesus to save me I don't have to trust the Bible that's still not the best one I've heard but I've heard this from believers people who don't understand the value of the Word of God in their life they don't understand that it is meant to put them on a pathway to success and so when we begin to think about the Bible, and, and let me tell you, everything that I said today in those questions, you, everybody look at me, they're all true. It's all true. The word can be scary. The word can be hard to understand. You know, here's what we've done as, as, as uh, ministers or us who who may not fall into that category, we look at people like that like, you're just ignorant. Try that over here. Man, there's people quiet today. We treat people, even believers, and especially normal, how dare you question the Bible? Except David, who was called a man after God's own heart, questioned God all the time. God is not afraid of your questions. He's not offended at your questions. He's not offended that you say, "Hey man, I don't understand this thing." <laughs> and so, we treat people like, well, "What are you doing?" But, you know, for countless other people, it's it's a profound compilation of divine wisdom. You know, it's a steadfast friend that's always there. It's a a friend who's gonna challenge me. It's a friend that's gonna comfort me. It's a friend that's gonna direct me. It's gonna help me navigate through life. And it it gives story after story that inspires my faith. Folks, it's more than a book. It's a journey. It's a conversation. It's a source of endless discovery, illuminating the path to understanding, to redemption, to peace, to everything that I need. That is what the Word of God is. And so, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some things. But the question is what is it to you? Is it a source of comfort? Or a sense of duty that causes you to go to it? All right, they got it. I'm going to say it over here again. Is it a source of comfort or a sense of duty that causes you to go to it? Because if it's a sense of duty, you're reading for the wrong reason. It should be a source of comfort that causes us to discover not only God, but discover ourselves. Not only who God is, but who I am. But our problem is, is we don't trust its faithfulness. And we don't trust, and we don't have it at the forefront of everything we do. And that is sad that we as believers don't have the word of God at the forefront. I've actually had folks look me in the eye. Not here. I'll just let everybody in this building off the hook. You will, you'll sit there and doubt I have ever seen anything like that. I've actually had people, someone say to me one time, I don't read the Bible. I have this book by author so and so, and I can understand it better. This is exact wording. She was there. You can see her nodding her head. So, this is my Bible. There is nothing, hear me now, there is nothing should ever, there's nothing wrong, should ever take the place of God's Word in your life. Even if you don't like what it says in the pages. And all your favorite authors, guess where they got their ideas? Why do you think they use uh, scripture references in there? (laughs) It can, nothing can ever take the place of God's word. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and 105. Listen, you're going to look at about, you're going to be able to turn about four places today because we're going to read so many scriptures out of Psalm 119. And I'm going to challenge you today. Go home this week and make this your daily Bible study. Psalm 119. And when you finish it, Start back at the top again. The cool thing about being in a book, you can always go back. All right? Look at Psalm 119, verse 105. Thou, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And that's why we have the picture we have. Today we're going to, look at a, we're going to start a series, and I'll finish it when the Holy Spirit says I'm done, called Light for the Journey navigating life's path with God's Word. Light for the journey, because that's exactly what the Word of God is. He said, your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light to my path. If you want to get through life, now, under a certain age, probably don't know what these are, but there used to be these things that you kept in the back pocket of your car. This is the only reason car, you ever wonder why cars have back pockets on the front seats? And then you can't, what do I put in here? There were these things called maps. <laughs> here, here, some of you, if, you're, if you don't remember map, you'll remember this. I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. <laughs> and so what they, what the, I remember living in Columbus that everybody still had a Columbus map in their car because there are parts of Columbus you don't go in regularly. And if you have to go, you had to get. If we want to get through this life and understand the turns and the twists and the direction that God is taking me, I have to remember that His Word is a lamp to my feet and it will enlighten my path. The Word is vital to you and I. It's vital. Well, I I think I hear from the Holy Spirit well enough. I don't need the word. Well, that's funny because the men who wrote it sure needed the Holy Spirit to write it, so you must be better off than they are. That was mean, wasn't it? (laughs) D said a little bit. Today I want to talk about the significance of the word. The significance of the word. Listen, we've, I know we've got people in here who, who live by this, who study by this, that, you know. Look at 2 Timothy, verse two, chapter 2, verse 15. He says, study to show yourself approved. And before all of you go, I don't like to study. My daughter. How many degrees behind you already back in school? And I, she said the other day, I don't want to study. You know that word study here doesn't mean to study at all? What are you laughing at? I know I said I wasn't going to bring it up. I did anyhow. Zach and I had breakfast yesterday and I told him, I said, I don't think I'll talk about it, but here I am. That word study there doesn't mean to study. That word study there is spudazo. It means to speed up, to make an effort, to be prompt. To be earnest, it means to exert yourself. Study, exert yourself. To do what? To show yourself approved. By God, a workman needs not be ashamed. So if I'm approved by God and I'm a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, what should I not be ashamed of? Rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, if I can't rightly divide the word of truth, I should be ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. They got it. You're all stern. <laughs> Hurry, exert yourself, push yourself to show God you're a workman that needs not be ashamed. How am I? Because I can rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. God says it's important for you. It is vital that you exert yourself. So that you can know this word. He's not wanting you to memorize it. I have a friend that's an evangelist. I may get him here one day. You have to book him like four or five years in advance. Well, he used to. I don't know now. Uh, We wrote down one day. I got, I just kind of wondered. I thought, how many scriptures did he quote in a service? So D and I kept track one day. We were pastoring. We, I was making marks. At 150, I quit. But I asked him, I said, how did you do that? He said, I can't sit here right now and do it. He said, but in a moment when I need the word, he said when he first was answering his call in the ministry, he said he walked out on his porch and a scroll came down in front of him and opened it up and he could stand there and read it. But you know why? All oh, the man does study. All he does is get into the word. You know why we can't recall the word? It's because we never put it in us. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you about D. Uh, after uh, uh, when she was trying to give birth to Sydney, and Sydney was fighting back. Uh, And D, all she did was quote scripture and quote scripture and quote scripture. And I said, she don't know that much scripture, I know her. But the thing is, she had put it in her. And in the time when she needed comfort, in the time when she needed strength, she flatlined trying to give birth to her. When she needed healing, When she needed all these things, from her spirit began to come this word. And this word kept her going a minute longer and a moment longer and an hour longer and a day longer. When you feel that you are ready to give up and you've got some time in the word, all of a sudden a word will come. You may not have it quoted exactly. But you'll remember what the word said. You may not even be telling me what chapter or what verse or even what book it's in. But you know that word was there. And all of a sudden that word spoke to you. And you're not going to quit today. And you're not going to stop tomorrow. But you can't do this if you don't have a diet of the word. If you don't put the word in you. If all you do is listen to the worship music. You're in for a bad landing. Because half of what's sung in worship songs ain't even theologically correct, anyhow. But you know what is right? You know what's always good theology? The Word of God. You know what'll never lead me wrong? The Word of God. You know what will always light up my path? The Word of God. You know what will always show my feet where to go next, Galen? The Word of God. It'll never leave me. It'll never forsake me. It'll go with me to the end. And so I need it. And I need to understand the significance of this Word. Here's the thing. But I hear all these things about the Word of God. Let me ask you something. What do you do with a book that addresses the issues that people are going to have with it answers them before the questions are even made you got to remember the new testament church didn't have the bible they were writing it <laughs> they had the torah they had old writings from other writers, yes, there were other writers that the, there are other writers that the apostles read, many of which are still quoted in our King James Bible. Hey, Galen, you're going to have to get me out of this. Well, <laughs> that'll get you in trouble every time. So here's the question. I believe that it's a book written by men. It's just a book written by men. You know what I have to say to that, Katie? You're 100% right. Here, I've done shocked this side, silly. Let's go over here. It's 100% right. It is a book. Written by men. It's a book. It's okay. Believers don't get upset when you hear somebody say, well, that's just a book written by men. Look at them and go, yes, you're right, it is. 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing those from whom you have learned them, and that since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now again, he's not talking about the New Testament here. He was writing the New Testament here. Now what are the Holy Scriptures for? Which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith that is in Christ Jesus verse 16 all scripture is inspired by God Uh, I have no problem with somebody looking at me saying well that Bible is just a book written by me and I'm going to say yep 100% right it is I agree with you but it answered a, it answered this question, before way before anybody else ever posed it because this question was because this question didn't exist because they didn't have the New Testament to question. So it answered the question before anybody ever posed the question. Are you? Oh, you okay. All Scripture is inspired by God and is what profitable. How many in here like to profit? You like to make a profit. You like to have a profit. He said, then how do I get there? All scripture is profitable. For what? For teaching. Here's a fun one. For reproof. For correction. Listen, listen. When you sit down and read the Bible, you may find out some things about your life that ain't right. (laughs) Right? We may find out some things that he says, uh, hey, how about you stop that? I don't want to stop that. I know, but why don't you trust me here? Why don't you allow me to profit you? Why don't you allow profit into your life? Why don't you allow good things to come? But I don't want to stop. I don't see nothing wrong. It's not about what I see wrong. It's about what he sees wrong. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's meant to tell you how to live. It was written by men, inspired by God. That the man of God, that means you, may be complete. That means mature. Thoroughly equipped in every good work. Jump to verse 16 again, please, Bobby. All Scripture is inspired by God. That word, that's actually one word. They they break that up. They break one word up. That, That word means it is divinely breathed in. The Greek word that they use there means that the Scripture, all Scripture, was divinely breathed and then inhaled and men wrote down. He answered the question, well, it's just a book written by men. Yes, it is. But what they did is they sat alone with their God and he spoke, spoke into the room and they breathed that in and they allowed his word to sink into the page in front of them oh my goodness <laughs> Webster says of this of the word inspired inspiration now this is the first dictionary Webster wrote not all the edits that came after In at Webster's 1828 dictionary he said it's the infusion of ideas into the mind by the Holy Spirit yeah. that's what inspiration is it is the conveying into the minds of men ideas, notices, or mentions. Mo- yeah, that word. By extraordinary or supernatural influence. That's how your That's how your Bible came to be. Supernatural influence on the lives of men. It is the communication of the divine will to the understanding by suggestions or impressions on the mind, which leave no room to doubt the reality of their supernatural origin. See, up until just a few years ago, when you heard that the, the scriptures were inspired that that simply that word would ta- cause them to not doubt mm, to not doubt the reality of the supernatural origin of the book in which they hold so what do we say when they say well the bible is just a book written by men yes absolutely I agree with you 100%. You know how hard it is to argue when somebody agrees with you? (laughs) But it was a book written by men who breathed in the air and the whisper of God. And they wrote down So that I may profit in teaching, and I may profit in reproof, and as bad as I don't like it, I may profit in correction, and I may profit in all areas of righteousness. It is a book. Well, here's the other thing we hear all the time. Jesus is the Word. The Bible is a book. Jesus is the Word. What are we going to say to that answer? That question. You're right. 100%. You're right. Jesus is the Word, that's a book. (laughs) Go to John chapter 1. You're right, you're right, you're right. Jesus is the Word, the Bible's a book. In the beginning, John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, so he's talking about a person here. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him. And without him, nothing was created that was created. Verse 4. In him was life. In who was life? In the word. Was life. Hmm. And the life was the light of mankind. Jump to verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word. He was always the Word. He was the Word that spoke the sun into existence and light first hit the earth. He is the the Word that said mountains and land come up out of the waters. He is the Word that says let there be trees. He was the Word that said let there be dust. Let there be mountains. Let there be birds. Let there be trees. Let there be, I don't know, whatever, monkeys? Gorillas. Gorillas horses that's his word that was jesus always there the word has always been spoken in this world did you think that when jesus went away he was going to take the word away from this world <laughs> go to 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 are you okay yeah. we're going to find out the importance of the word 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look what he says. Now, Jesus is the Word, the Bible's a book. Yes. For this reason, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us. So we know now he's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the message that Paul had spoken to Thessalonica. He said, When you receive the word of God, which you heard uh, from us, now look what he says here. You received it not as the word of men. See, the Bible will be what you declare it to be. It'll be a book or it'll be the word. See, they had a choice here in Thessalonica. He said, you heard the word spoken by us, and you received it as the word of God, not the word of men. So they had a choice. They could have said, that's just Paul talking. That's just Peter talking. That's just these guys uh, talking. He said, no, you had a choice, but you received it as the word of God. (laughs) Not the word of men. But as it truly is, let's go back there. Which you heard from us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God, which effectively works also in you. You see, when we hear this word, the word that you hold either on your phone, on your tablet, you you hold on your paper books. However you hold it, you've got a choice in what it can be to you. It can either be the Word of God or just some some pages that a man wrote down somewhere. Because it truly is both. But if you will allow it to be the personification of God's Word. When we understand the Bible is more than just a series of texts, it is the living embodiment of of God's word through Jesus. Jesus stands at this as the central figure of your Bible. He is the central figure. And he is in the entire Bible. We just read John 1 there. But then we go back to Genesis and we see, and God said, A word was spoken. He was there in the beginning, he will be there in the end. He is the central figure. So when we look at this Bible, it's not just a series of words. It's not just a bunch of text. It is the narrative of Jesus woven throughout the entire Bible from beginning to end. And so when I read it, yes, I'm reading a book. But I'm allowing it to be the personification of the Word of God. And when I see its prophecies And I see its symbolism, and I see its types, and I see its shadows. And when I begin to engage with the Bible, then it takes me on a journey. And I begin to understand Jesus. And I begin to understand his character. And I begin to understand his teachings And I begin to understand the power of his sacrifice. And then all of a sudden, I dive deeper into that word, and now I'm beginning to understand me. Now I'm beginning to understand who I am because of who he is. Now I'm beginning to see myself in a different light and all the lies that the enemy has told me begin to fall off and shed off because I have the light of the Word living on the inside of me. See, it not only shows me Jesus, but then it reflects me back to myself because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am created in His image. What it says about Him, it means about me. It's not just informational, it's transformational. It's investing into our personal relationship with Jesus. It's understanding that it's a pathway straight to the throne room of heaven. Jesus is the key to unlocking the fullness of the biblical wisdom. He is the jewel that we find when we begin to dig through the treasure. And then when we begin to embrace this word, we recognize that God is. Folks, the act of reading and meditating of the Bible becomes an encounter with the divine, not just something that I have to do because I'm a good Christian boy or girl. Well, I've never had this kind of encounter with the Word. Then maybe it's time we start thinking about the Word in a whole different way. That it's not just a chore that we do. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Well, it, you know, but I get so bored. Well, quit going back and reading this one begat that one and that one begat don't start there that's hard for me to cover but look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 for the word of God is what? alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrows, it's able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Amen. It's an encounter with the divine. It's more than just something I need to do. As I pass the time, and I can check it off my to-do list, read the Bible today, listen to the Bible today, however you get it in you, I don't care how you get it in you, I listen to it, read it, watched it, Perry told me him and Shanda, I don't know, I'm sure they still do, would get up and watch the Scriptures on TV. I don't care how you get it in you, but let it become an encounter, or else it's just a book. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Isaiah says this, is So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. In other words, the word will do what what it says you'll do if you'll allow it to be an encounter with the divine, and not just a book. It's an encounter with Jesus. When I read the Bible, it's an encounter. With Jesus so what are some of the benefits of, of, of the word well there's there's two that I want to bring out today and we will we'll probably bring more out as this series goes on the benefits of the word is first it fills you up what do you mean it fills me up well if it's if the Bible has never filled you up it's because I'll close my eyes so I don't see who raises their hands Who likes to go to—Zach, me and you, we like to go to a buffet? (laughs) I'll just pick on the two biggest guys in the room. Mike, you want to come along? (laughs) Why do we go to buffets? Exactly. We want filled up. There was this uh, restaurant. uh, It was a Chinese buffet back in West Virginia where we're from, and the owner would come on TV, and he'd say— If you leave hungry, it's not our fault. Well, I can't, I don't feel like I'm getting enough of God. It's not His fault because there is a buffet you hold in your hands every day. Every, you're just not hungry enough. Let me get mean over here. You're just not hungry enough. If you leave hungry, it's not His fault. There's a buffet set in front of us of all that God has. And it can either be a book or it can be the personification of Jesus himself. But if I don't go back, if I don't go back, it's there. I mean, I, I really wonder about people who go to buffets and like, I'm going to be hungry again in a few hours. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> but if I don't go back, what's the difference? I've got my plate in front of me. I see it was good. There's more. Who's wait, who's going to go get it for me? It's not going to cost me anything. Extra? I've already paid for it. It's all been, it's all been paid for. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to cost you anything. Are you hungry enough? F.F. Bosworth in... Uh, I, I can't remember which book it was in. Christ the Healer, maybe. Anyhow, F.F. Bosworth said this. He said, some people wonder why they can't have faith for healing. They feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. Ouch. If this is the only word you're getting in you, you're eventually going to become emaciated. And that ain't no fun. It's never happened to me, but... I can imagine that's no fun. He said, people wonder why they don't have faith for these things. He said, they feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. If this is all you're getting, you're starving. Job 23, verse 12. Job 23, verse 12. Thank you, babe. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. Job 23:12 for those of you looking. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have es- Now get this. I have esteemed his word, the words from his mouth more than my necessary food. I have esteemed the words from his mouth more than my necessary food. Does that tell you how hungry for the word you and I should be? That word is steamed there. It's often used of concealing something. Something that's valuable. It means to hide by covering over. By implication, it means to hoard. He said, I hoard his words more than my necessary food. He said, I can go without eating, but I can't go without the word. He said, I'll hoard the words to myself more than the necessary. Listen, my son has always been a quiet kid. We could let him play. And you never knew Reese was in the room. And if you've ever been around Reese, you know, he'll talk, but he's a quiet guy. Because he's always thinking. (laughs) He was about a year and a half, maybe two, and uh, Dee was doing a ladies' function at the church I was pastoring. So me and a lady who was a church grandma to them was going and she was talking to me. She said, do you know how many grapes this child was eating? She said, I couldn't get him away from the grapes. (laughs) And I'm like... Well, you know, he likes grapes. And I, she said, I had to tell him I've got grapes at my house, and so we can go down here and have some. So we're walking, and I notice Reese is not saying anything. So we get down, and I look at him, and he's still not talking. He's not saying, now he's always quiet, but he still wasn't saying, Reese, open your mouth. Nope. Reese, open your mouth. So what do all parents do? I couldn't tell you how many grapes this kid had shoved in his face. But what was he doing? He knew he may come up short later. (laughs) When are we going to say, I'm afraid I'm going to come up short later? So give me more. I need this more than I need my necessary food. I will hoard this in my spirit way more than I need my necessary food. When that becomes, let me tell you something. Don't give Reese Belcher a Christmas, an Easter basket. Dee <laughs> always makes Easter baskets. Yes, I get one too. She loads this thing down. It's pouring over with candy. Candy. And about two weeks in, Cindy and I have already eaten all everything. We've eaten what was left over. But there's always Reese. Reese, you got candy left? Yeah. Where's it at? In my room. Go get me a piece. No. (laughs) Come on, Reese, go get me a piece of candy. And so, he would go in, and guess what you got back? A piece. Listen, Christmas would come around, and he would come to the house eating Easter candy. I don't know where he kept it up, but he didn't want to run out, so he hoarded it up. This is all Job is saying, I will hoard your word more than my necessary food. I will hoard it up because I need to be so hungry for the Word that it is more important to me. Psalms 119 verse 131 Psalm 119, 131 I opened my mouth and panted for I long for your Commandments. You see what David's saying here? He said, your word is so important to me. It's like dry mouth. Everybody just did that, didn't you? It's like dry mouth. That's good. He said, I opened my mouth and I panted. I'm so thirsty, because I long for your commandments. When's the last time we felt like that over Bible? But yet, here's the instruction. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. The last time you'll have to go away from Psalm 119, I believe. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he said, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word. Oh, I want the deep stuff of the word. You better be wanting milk. Because guess what? You can still survive on that. What's the best nourishment for newborn babies? The mother's milk. It's got everything in it that baby needs. What's Peter tell us here about the word? You got to desire the word. Because in it is everything you need to cause you to grow. Just like a mother's milk causes a baby to grow. And everything in this Word will cause you to grow. And it should, I should hoard it up more than my necessary food. And when I think about it, I should get so dry-spirited. I should... I'm panting. Because I long for your Word. But it's so hard to find time. No, it's not. I'm not saying you have to sit down 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But I believe you'd be surprised how much time there is in a day to turn the Word on, to pick it up, to read eight or ten. Well, I am just feel so weak. Well, that's good because when we're feeling weak, when you're feeling weak, you need the sincere milk of the Word to make you strong. The Word causes spiritual growth in your life. Psalms 119. You say, well, this makes me feel bad about my Word reading. Don't feel bad. My kids would come to me and and apologize. Don't apologize. Just quit. Just don't do it again. You did it. I mean, okay, I get it. You're sorry but I have not been a good reader. Listen, find one that works for you. I don't care what, denomina- what denomination... What I don't care that about that either. But uh, What version do you read? You've got to have that King James only. You do realize King James wasn't the first king to issue a Bible. And the reason King James Bible, he wanted it written... Because he wanted something that was more flowery in language that was fit for the time. And then I can go ahead and destroy a whole lot more things, that I'm just not going to. <laughs> Find one that works. Find one that works. <laughs> I love King James Version. do don't get. Off, don't, don't get mad and run away now. Ain't the first time most of you heard me say that? He said in in Psalms 119 verse 28, My soul collapses on account of grief. Strengthen me according to your words. Jump down to verse 50. Strengthen me like your word says. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction for your word revives me. This is my comfort. His Word is my comfort. And His Word revives me. Jump down to verse 93. I will never forget your precepts, for with them you have revived me. I'll never forget your precepts. That Word revived Brown Driver and Briggs defines the word revived to live prosperously. To revive, to be quickened from sickness, from discouragement, from faintness, from death, to persevere, alive, to let live, to give life, to quicken, refresh, restore to life, to cause to grow. That's what the word that's when he says, and your word revives me. That's what he's saying. Your, ver- your word causes me to live prosperously. If we want to grow as believers, we have to have a steady diet of God's word. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need the spirit. We can get so word heavy we, for- we miss the spirit, or we can get so spirit heavy we miss the word. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get in the middle of the road. (laughs) Where it's safe. Go all the way down to verses 147. He said, I rose before dawn of the morning and I cried for help. I hope in your words. It's hope. But look what he did. Brenda, he made time for it. I rose before dawn, verse 48, 148, sorry. My eyes are awake before the night watches that I may meditate on the word. Jump back up to verse 72. The law from your mouth is better than me than than thousands of gold and silver coins. You think David wanted the word? And I want to encourage you, it's time for you to get strong in the Word. It's time that the Word becomes the water that you drink, the food that you eat. It's time that the Word is better than gold gold and silver coins. It's time. Psalms 119, verse 61. We're going to end right here. I'm sorry, 161, I think it is. <laughs> the powerful elite, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation for this. The powerful elite have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart trembles in awe because of your miracle words. My heart trembles in awe because of your miracle words. 162. Is that right? Your promises are a source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. I'm telling you today, you will never grow spiritually past the very word of God we won't always like what it says we won't always like what it tells us Zach Kevin we ain't always going to like the correction that it gives but he's doing it so that we can prosper amen I encourage you this week I've never given, I don't give homework a lot. (laughs) Study diligently Psalms 119, and I promise you, you will come away with a whole different mindset about the Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Oh, glorious, 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 Father. Holy Spirit, we just praise and honor you. Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we are glorying in the beauty of the Trinity in our life. Let us be people of your word. Not forsaking your word, but making time for it. And as we make time for the word, it changes us into the very image of who you are. And We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen?